0: What's up, Moto Buddies? Mike here from Taco Moto Co. What is the Taco Touch? It's the best service in the industry. Virtually 24-7 tech support via email or text. And it's like having a dirt bike doctor on call every day of the year, helping you fix your bike or recommend parts or setups for you. If you've ever received an order from us, you know that the Taco Touch extends to our fulfillment and our orders come with the coolest stickers that you've ever had uh, buying parts from anybody before and a handful of root beer barrel candies. Um, All of our Taco Moto co-branded components come with a no-questions-asked lifetime warranty and we'll even extend out the warranty of other manufacturers, OEM, and aftermarket parts where we can, sometimes for life. We test and tune endlessly and exhaustively and obsessively. We're trying to destroy everything that we can before you get your hands on it to look for weaknesses and to improve it. Or to make recommendations to the manufacturer. And if it's something that doesn't uh, meet grade, then we don't offer it on the store. Everything that we carry is something that we have personally used, tested, and ridden, and raced, and knows meets the the high taco touch demanding standard. Go out and get some adventure. In episode 75 of Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. Wow, they really made 75 of these, huh? Wow. Wow. Jimmy Lewis and co-host Logan Tyler talk about many topics such as when your moose is too soft, why there's a part shortage in the USA, the difference between a fatty tire and a normal tire, you get some more free riding tips, you also get to hear a discussion about the KTM 500 versus the Husqvarna 501, as well as some clutch weights, and apparently there's some guests in the studio that get abducted by aliens, I don't know, I'm just reading off the show notes, you have to listen to find out exactly what happens.
1: It's 7 o'clock-ish. We are live in Perump, which is uh, the Valley of the Dirt People. We have a lot of dirt people joining us, so I don't really know. I can't see them because they're behind one of my monitors. And uh, here's the other big thing I forgot to do. I was, check this out. I forgot to... Where is that record there we go that could be a problem because if we have a problem over there then we have a problem over here so we're live from pahrump valley of the dirt people for tech talk taco tuesday this is episode number 75 this is the podcast where we talk about what logan right and i don't have your mic on do i now i do so, one more time.
2: Motorcycles and motorcycle-related products.
1: Yep. One of these days we're going to do this, and it's going to be just seamless. Yeah, it'll, it'll be really strange. I'll probably fall asleep. <laughs> so, uh, we have a few new um, guests guests that drop by, courtesy of Al. Where's Al? Wasn't he supposed to chaperone you over here? No? No? And, and we're going to go through the names again. It was Corbin, Caleb, and Ashton. So have you watched Tech Talk Taco Tuesday or listened to it before? Yeah. Yeah, you have? So do you have some uh, motorcycle questions that you would like answered? N- not really. You just want to see what kind of a shit show we have for this <laughs> operation. Well, here's just to start off. This is a uh, a Tacosaurus, by the way. So we talk about the important things. This is the product of the week. It's because uh, this is Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. It won't have any tacos. it will say there was free food. Is no. That's why you guys showed up. <laughs> So this is a taco source. If we had tacos, we could put it on there. Um, uh, my wife's partner from Rebel Rally, I think her kids got this for me because they knew I did something called um, Tech Talk. So now we've learned something. The rest of the show can just go to wherever from the, at this point. So, um, Logan, we have some sponsors. And i I think, you know what, I'm going to promise you. If you can read this thing perfectly, you won't have to do it ever again. Oh. Yeah, here you go. So, well, Who are we talking about? KTM. Right.
2: They're powered by a distinct ready-to-race mentality. KTM is the world's leading high-performance street and off-road motorcycle manufacturer with North American headquarters based in Marietta, California. Over the years, KTM has built a reputation as a fierce competitor on the racetracks around the world, and every, which is shown in every move. Every product it develops and every move it makes.
1: Oh, so close. <laughs> so close. Looks like you're gonna have to read it again. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna call up our contact. I was gonna call up Nikki down there and say, Hey, I need a new read because Logan memorized this one. <laughs> it's time to do another one. So if you uh if you wanna ride the best motorcycles uh in the world, uh according to us, uh well we just say this all the time. Do you, any of you guys ride KTMs? No. 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 Nuh uh yeah you should (laughs) (laughs) we had somebody in here that was really high on yamahas last time how how was was trevor he was looking for the blue crew right (laughs) um okay uh (laughs) so uh we're also brought to you by climb climb is the makers of awesome uh gear uh And exactly this morning when I woke up, I decided it was not vented gear season anymore because we went from like 95 yesterday where vented gear was the most awesome thing ever to me clawing through my gear bag, knowing that all I had in it was vented stuff when it was like 65, it was way colder, but it was going to high of 65 when we were riding today. And, um... So, yeah, uh, Climb's Gear is awesome, but now it's out of season. But I'm sure it's going to get to be 105 next week or something again. Who knows? Then I'll pull it back out. And Recluse, they make clutches for old people, right, <laughs> Logan? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, they make clutches for Jimmy because um, allegedly uh, I have a broken finger on my, on my clutch finger right now. I haven't had it x-rayed or anything, but I, I, I tried to break my front fork with my finger by poking at it, and it didn't work of course this was during a tip over incident where the motorcycle and i came apart and uh, my finger f- doesn't work very well so i'm glad i had a recluse clutch and uh, that way it makes it easy for me to ride um without having to touch the clutch and then i go up a whole skill level so uh if you guys have questions in the chat room of course if you are familiar with the show you know that we are live on facebook every tuesday night um you can join the chat room you can get your questions answered instantly uh i guess you can just show up at my place according to al i'll send you in don't feel uh, don't feel intimidated i jack with people all the time uh and then you can have your motorcycle questions related what so what kind of bikes do you guys ride, I ride a honda, a honda. 250. I ride a- 250 what what kind CRF. there's crf yeah. what year uh, 11. 11 crf 250 rx R okay, next. I ride a Suzuki. Suzuki. A four fifty and a little eighty two stroke. Okay, so four fifty. Which one would that be? The RMZ. Uh, yeah, I
0: think so.
1: Yep. So you're not super into dirt bikes. No. not completely. Yeah. Right. I can tell. Yeah, I, that's what I do. And then you. I ride a twenty twenty nineteen KX two fifty. Twenty nineteen KX two fifty. So we've got a Suzuki, a Kawasaki, and a Honda. Yeah, that good. we're well represented here because you have Yamahas. K-tm. Yeah. And a KTM. Yeah. And I have everything. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a, I have Hoosaberg. Do you guys know what a Hoosaberg is? Really? No. Oh, too bad. Really? <laughs> and you listen to this show? Yeah. Are you watching? You, you, you know what it is? Yeah. It's an old, oh, it's an old bike. <laughs> Seven minutes this time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you can, yeah, yeah you'll, we'll learn. We'll learn something. Right hey, um, so I'm going to go right into the chat room uh, to see where our questions are at because these guys are here. Uh, Mark Daniels is here. We have a lot of our um, thing. Uh, Diane is really upset because she couldn't hear you nodding your head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't make that much noise when he's nodding his head, but it's probably because I didn't turn his microphone on. Uh, Dallas steelbald, um, he says, what's up boys and girls? Where's the girls? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh yeah. Logan just tells him to quit texting him. And <laughs> at that time, uh, Dean Voyer, I am not coming to Idaho. No, uh, I was in Idaho for a, less than 24 hours and Wayne says 75. Nice. Yeah. It's been a long road. You'd think we'd be better at doing this by now. That's what I think all the time. Rodrigo Lopes says, Jimmy, thanks for influencing my decision to go back to KTM. There we go. See? I got the twenty twenty KTM three hundred XCW TPI and could not and then it just stops. Yeah. That's that's it could not could not get it started. You could not <laughs> thank me enough. Uh, not finish it yeah you cannot finish your typing it's okay rodrigo it will i'm sure it'll pop up later you, you probably have an internet connection like we do and it's a little spotty at times but um yeah no glad you glad you you got one i wish i had one i wish i had one of those right now um and todd kelly i taught so todd i think Oh, he was okay. He was the guy I was mean to because he wanted, he just wanted yes. to write. That's the guy. So I, I got to get into his question here. See what, it's Todd Kelly. I installed a halt I install, installed, I'll get it, <laughs> a high output stator on my WR450F that converts it over to DC only with a new regula, regulator rectifier. Checked and rechecked my work. Bike will not start with the e start, but will kick over. New anti gravity battery fully charged. However, I see the voltage drop below 12 volts after about five seconds of cranking. I found one post saying that because the reg wreck fires the ignition off the DC, it won't start below 12 volts no matter what. Any thoughts on this question, or is it overload like most of my <laughs> questions? <laughs> oh man i am not an electric engineer electrical engineer or i don't even play one on this podcast and once you start messing with the the electric system uh you are uh i'll tell you what i have an xr650 in the garage that i would ride a lot except i can't get the lights to work on it and it used to have an electric starter on it as a and it's it's such a mess and there's 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 those ignitions that convert the the power so it all goes to dc and then everything runs off the battery but generally generally speaking your battery charging side of your ignition and stator is separate from the side that sparks the ignition runs the timing and and all that so uh boy i don't don't know and bob's raising his hand out in the peanut gallery hold on i'm going to try something here bob go uh go, go ahead and ask your question
3: well it's the stator puts out ac and the regulator converts it to dc that runs the the that, that charges the the uh, high tension coil right and, and all that so if he's not running dc he's got to run the dc to run the engine and then the lights can be ac all the rest of that stuff but he needs to
1: convert it to dc well i'm sure it was a kit that was supposed to have everything done i wonder if he's the well uh <laughs> that converts it to dc only with a new reg rectifier oh. checked and rechecked my work but the bike will not start with the e-start um, but it will kick over and start so so I think what he's asking is when he is pushing the button, it draws it down below 12 volts, and that's causing it not to spark. No, it should be 9 or 10. Or, or be nine 10. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I, that's kind of my – it's usually about 9 or 10 is where I've noticed it. So um, that being said, it's hard to diagnose electrical problems over the phone or the internet. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah i don't uh if it kicks i wonder i yeah i don't know i mean what what your wr 450f because yamahas and we're joking about this because they they don't start the best they're not the best at starting and and whether it's a 250 or 450 any electric start bikes i mean sometimes they're just fine but they're 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 finicky let's put it that way uh so i can't i can't answer i failed that should just stop the show right now. <laughs> and uh uh but yeah, Todd, uh uh what so who if it if it's Baja Designs that did if it's a Baja Designs kit, they have great tech support. I know this because I have electrical problems all the time. And when I do have an electrical problem, that's who I call and basically like with my xr650 they say why don't you just replace everything because <laughs> because the reg 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 it has a it had a big ignition run big lights and it has this goofy electric start kit on it and it's a big problem now my thing froze up so you you keep paying attention uh let's see taco mike rode his 82 gold wing with us two weeks ago in montana performed quite well well why would you do that? <laughs> uh, Rusty Nail is in the house. Um, let's see. Uh, the DBT shirt looks great. Yeah, uh, Mason um, uh, says, "Tell him to call Moto minded Chris Vestal. He answers all these questions all day long. I'm sure that's what uh, Chris Vestal wants to do is to answer electrical questions, even though he already does it all day long." Uh, yeah a lot of uh good We'd, a lot of uh, electrical questions um so I don't know why this thing froze up, but we'll keep rolling so what's our what's our first question over there?
2: um Lyle
1: oh is it a good name? Yeah what is it?
2: Lyle rustata.
1: Rasta rastad Rasta. Rasta rastaddat. The only
2: thing that would keep me off any KTM is part prices, that could be a deal breaker. Deal breaker for if you plan to long term ownership. Great review. I know Mr. Lewis sure knows his stuff.
1: Um, Lyle. uh, So here's a here's an interesting thing. You know, when you're thinking, you know, and a lot of times when people are making decisions, he's talking about the KTM 390 video that he watched. And so somebody's gonna say, I'm gonna own a bike for a long time and I'm worried about parts prices like make changing my decision to buy this brand or that brand or the other brand. And over all the years I've been doing this, all the different brands, um, it's almost like, and I'm only guessing here, but it's almost like there's certain things that they that each brand will price higher and other things lower. It's almost like at a supermarket where they have these loss leader things that are kind of inexpensive and then they have other things that if you're going to buy the piston they know you're going to buy the pin and and or you're going to need a gasket set so they they think okay well you know you're going to do a top end or you're going to you know buy whatever pieces and you know if you're going to do a clutch well if you're going to do the 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 fibers you're probably going to get the metals and they'll somehow make some of them kind of cheap and then other ones more expensive and we used to at the magazine sometimes we we look at parts prices of high wear items you know clutches pistons um not so much aftermarket stuff that was easy to get so and now even with most of the high wear stuff and we'll get in there's another good question that we're going to get today about some of this stuff um you can you can almost rebuild your whole bike with aftermarket i mean plastics for most bikes uh you know top end kits clutches you know there's gasket kits uh tires wheels chain sprockets so if you're worried about what ktm priced it at if it's a high price if it's overly high for the market um there will be an aftermarket company that will come in and make that part for substantially less it's just it's just kind of a, a known thing and i've actually been surprised at some pretty interesting stuff that you can get aftermarket um then when so so and some people just want to replace their their parts with only OEM, you know, and, and maybe at that point you're you're you know you feel like that's the only way to do it, and you want to pay for the high you know the the higher price stuff. But um, it makes some people feel better; they know it's going to be an exact fit. And you hear lots of stuff about oh, the stuff that's aftermarket is like seconds. You know, when they're when they're when they're producing the stuff for the factory, if it doesn't meet spec, they throw it in another box, and it comes out as another brand. And I've he- heard that before, and. Uh, I've measured stuff from the brand that was supposedly getting the second stuff, and it was exactly the same. Um, you know, and so I I would not let like, and then you got to ask yourself like like what are you going to wear out, especially on a KTM 390. What are you going to wear out on that bike? Like, it'd be hard. I mean, you'd have to really work at it to wear the clutch out. You'd have to you know kind of do it on purpose, unless you're just a clutch wear outer person. That comes back to like the person. Um, I don't think you're going to wear a top end out on that bike. It's, I think it's designed pretty low stress. It's going to last a long time. And is it is it like plastics? Are you going to is it like tip over and crash stuff? Usually that stuff's you know um, maybe stop tipping over and crashing. It starts sounding like I run a riding school and I'm trying to sell you on a, becoming a, a better rider, right? Not again. Yeah, <laughs> um, man. You, you want you want to know what like Husaberg prices? Yeah, Husaberg prices are expensive. They're getting there because it's they're ten years out now. Yeah. yeah, then they get then they get pretty premium. So uh, okay, uh, don't don't let that be a deciding factor on on ownership. And I don't know that any one brand has less expensive um, parts prices than another brand. It all kind of comes out in the wash. There might be more stuff available for certain brands. Uh you know, the more popular brand, more aftermarket stuff there's gonna be. And uh yeah. Uh next question, Logan.
2: Um, Alexei Magan No.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. First,
2: the track is <laughs> Dude, just did, madness.
1: Did you you that's what you're doing? You're yeah. taking a picture of that and translating it. Yeah. Okay, so I screwed with Logan here. This is written in I'm pretty sure it's Greek. Is it Greek? What, I don't know. What what hieroglyphics is that? It's not it's not <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's 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 like Greek. Um,
3: I'll hold it up, I can't see it.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, well nobody can see it because this is a this is a it's supposed to be a podcast, but evidently it's not. It's like a video production. So I'll hold it up in front of the front of the, you looking maybe you'll see it on the screen here. So go ahead. What's what's the question? Oh. Yeah. I was just I was just playing a joke with Logan there and I put this in. I lost it. You lost it? <laughs>
2: I was trying to fix the.
1: Oh. Yeah, I lost my uh, feed here. Well, do you want to take another picture and get to that question later? No, I just got it. Okay.
2: Um, The track is just madness. No room for air, 75 to 80%. Breakage for the pilot, zero. Pleasure, one extreme with adrenaline for survival.
1: Now you see why we don't use translators. Also, <laughs> <laughs> he. The email in Greek? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He, uh, he, uh, yeah, well, he just commented on one of our videos. Oh. Um, and something. So, um, yeah, I don't really understand what he was. Is it the question or comment or concern? Uh, comment. Comment. Got it. Um, Travis Redfield, uh, says, Great review. I'm curious if you have found more differences in the handling of the Husky versus the KTM. I own a 20 Husky 501 and have ride buddies with 20 KTM 500s and I ride them back to back. I find the KTM feels more nimble. Maybe the Husky more stable. A difference I've noted that does not get mentioned much in is that the wheelbase has increased on the Husky. I think this may be a result of work they did to lower the rear suspension without reducing travel. I bought a Husky because it is lower and I am shorter, but now think it actually feels a little bigger due to the longer wheelbase. I don't really hear anyone talk about this aspect. Curious if you guys have noticed the difference in size of the bikes. So um, yeah, actually I think we talked about this a little bit um, when we were testing both the KTM. We had both of those bikes here. And there's, there's definitely a different feel, uh, between the two of them, probably more, um, to, to something that really feels higher level guy. It's probably more than you would think. And I've had some people hop on the bikes back and forth. And if they didn't look different, they wouldn't know they were any different. And we're talking about one with a linkage suspension and one with a PDS, um, and one with a. Composite rear subframe and one from the aluminum rear subframe. There's a lot of differences between the bike little things. Um, What I notice personally between the bikes, the biggest difference is the clutch because one's Magura and one's Brembo. That's the first thing that I notice uh, uh, between the two. And then I also feel that the Husky has a like a like a slightly softer power delivery. Um, I, I always like to say the Husky to me feels a little bit less aggressive. And he's sort of describing that same sort of feel with it maybe he's he's attributing it to a longer wheelbase which i don't know we'd have to start looking at the spec sheet it 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 really yeah and so it has a different swing arm and stuff because has a linkage and i suspect that 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 would half inch longer wheelbase is a big deal that makes a that makes a big difference not to say that you probably couldn't you know if you wanted to get your husky to handle a little more agile tighten it kind of shorten your chain and tighten that up you know get get a little get that wheel a little bit closer um, you can change triple clamps would also affect the same, um, uh, thing. Uh, but I, I mean the Husky, it's funny cause sometimes it feels heavier and sometimes it feels lighter and I, I don't know how to, how to kind of explain that because it's not like a huge difference, but it sort of depends on what sort of like what speed you were going. It's like a, like, like, the KTM I, I thought was better going really slow or really fast. And I thought the Husky was better like in almost all the middle kind of the kind of the mid speeds. Um, so and where do I ride? Either really slow or really fast. <laughs> so so which one do I like? I end up liking the KTM. I mean if I have to get picky, but they're both uh great bikes. I'm trying to think if there was a a good way. Yeah. Um and if you're, you know, he's talking about lowering the suspension or he ha- he liked it for the lower suspension. And typically when you lower the suspension, it kind of kicks the rake out. What do we have going on out there? Let me. Sounds like somebody's pulling up in a. Something. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you when you you know kind of like lower the suspension you know drop the suspension down it kind of kicks it out kicks out the the fork a little bit and kind of slows down the handling as well so you could also try running a little bit more spring preload to you know lift the back of the bike up a little bit and that could uh you know spice up speed up the handling uh but you know you don't want to go too far to where the bike starts becoming unstable so i think i answered his question i don't know you don't know
2: I was pretty focused on the Google Translate, and it was in Russian.
1: That's Russian? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess it could be. I don't know. I didn't take Russian in high school. Um, And then what does Mike Mead like? Uh, what would Mike Mead like to know?
2: Need a top-end kit for 2018 Husqvarna FX 450. Where could I find one in the USA?
1: Uh... So he's, he is experiencing a part shortage like we all are. So there's a lot of parts like aftermarket rebuild stock parts. Um, I know that right now there's a lot of racers that are trying to get things like top end kits and piston kits and, and even Trevor, we, we went with a slightly higher, um, a slightly higher compression piston, uh, on his ktm 250 because the standard compression piston was not available so we're kind of starting to feel the uh the lag of all the production that stopped because of covid and all that stuff uh it's starting to hit home here so uh, do you think does he think that i have one in my garage that so could just ship it out <laughs> i don't know um yeah bob it's
3: always been referred to as kibo K I B O ktm intergalactic order.
1: KTM intergalactic backorder. What's that mean?
3: Back in the old, in the old days, when you couldn't get parts, and it was always called
1: well, Kibo. Uh, no, I don't. I don't remember that. I I never had problems getting KTM parts. From, I mean, maybe back when you were, you never rode KTM's. No. Back in the old days. No, when I was buying
3: KTM's, you couldn't get parts. For
1: them. How old? W- how old were you? Because it was way before my time.
3: No, no, it was after that.
1: Really. Oh there was a time when you couldn't get 250 cylinders cuz Danny Hamley used every one in the country.
3: Oh this was this
1: was after that. It was just the, oh. the big joke was K I V Yeah. Um th- maybe maybe when they were going through that uh, the bankruptcy back in the early 90s. It would before. that that could have, you know, like things like that affect a company, but um yeah, there's a there's a production supply, there's there's going to be like a 2 month gap and I I mean the, Europe was shut down solid for 2 to 3 months. So nothing got produced and the stuff that was produced was shipped out because people wanted it right out especially here like we we've sucked up everything power sports the united states has sucked it up and it's been out and consumed and now they're trying to make more and they're still you know still still two months behind so uh yeah i've heard that is a little bit of a problem i don't know where you can get it but you know what's funny is i was i was um Floating through the Facebooks, and I saw Mike Mead had posted in – I just – I saw a picture of a very lean-looking um, cylinder and a pit, top of a piston and head. It was pictures. I mean, very clean. Is there a reason why there's a really loud truck idling? Uh, yeah, I'm going to get of his dad. I oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you can hear it in the background, but it's loud, it, even in my headset. Is loud? Yeah, because it's coming right in the garage door. Um, So the uh, when you yeah, it's uh, so. Anyways, I saw this very you know, and and by lean I mean probably stock looking, you know, the way that the stock bikes run. But then I saw that it only had like eighty hours or something on it, and he had taken it apart. And so my first question is was why. Oh, good grief! <laughs> so, um, anyhow, uh, it like I said, it looks brand new. I have I have a KTM 500 that has. It's funny because it's starting to. It's your old bike. It's starting to use a lot of oil. That's when I was rally training on this week when I was riding. No, 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 no. That no, the old, the old, the old, old one. Yeah, the 13. It has over 500 hours on, and it just started really using a lot of oil. And and I'm like going. Well, it still runs good. Do I take it apart? <laughs> so, at, 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 if 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 you if you haven't destroyed anything, that's like I mean, just slide that sucker back together. At 80 hour. I wouldn't touch a KTM 500 or Husky 450 or whichever one it is for for a regular guy. Man, I, even I was actually I was actually talking to Andrew Short about his Yamaha 450, his factory rally bike. And I'm like, you can probably get, you can probably get a hundred, a hundred hours out of that thing, you know, at the, at the level that they push that thing. Cause you know, I would, I would think easy, you know, on, for training and stuff like that. And so, yeah. Um, okay. What's our, uh, what's our next question? We got now, now we have a revolving door in and out. We got a eh, thanks Al. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Uh, we're in entertainment here. We're not. We're local entertainment. We had had, had a loud, a loud truck literally um, idling out in the front. I mean, a really loud truck, which is kind of normal here on Pahrump. I think that's a normal thing. Yeah. So, no muffler diesel truck uh, idling out front.
2: Um, Mike Shirley, monkey butt hot t- tip.
1: Uh, Mike Shirley is the expert on monkey butts.
2: <laughs> um, instead of powder, use an anti friction gel such as Rocket Pure natural friction therapy a coating on my private man parts works well
1: okay (laughs) i've been mean to mike lately mike was actually out rally training with us too and uh he was he was um he was doing good and then and then you know just uh looking for some some uh you know he got lost a couple times we all do and he was looking for some sympathy and i just kept rubbing it in (laughs) so uh but um uh, my monkey monkey butt therapy. What's your monkey butt therapy, Logan? I don't know. You don't get monkey butt. I don't think so. You don't think so? Um, you know what monkey butt is?
2: Not really. So
1: sometimes you have to break it down and explain this stuff for people. So have you ever been to the zoo? Gone to the zoo before? Yeah. See those baboons? Yeah. And they have those big old chunky cheeks in the back. They're all pink and yeah. Yep, yeah, that's monkey butt. So some people, when they sit down on the seat too much, that's what they get. They get monkey butt. And there's actually like there's powders, you know, monkey. There's actually something called monkey butt powder. And I guess we were talking about it on the show last time. And my, my solution to monkey butt is stand up. Um, and uh, but uh, Mike says to rub some therapy, some uh, what's that stuff called again?
2: Rocket Pure Natural Friction Therapy.
1: Rocket Pure Natural Friction Therapy. OK. OK. So hopefully we have less listeners with Monkey Butt after next week. Tell let us know let us know how it works. I know I know it works for Mike. I didn't see him complaining about Monkey Butt at all. So it's all it was all good. Uh okay. Um why aren't you guys putting episodes on Spotify anymore? says Bryce Reader. I love listening to you at work. Um Bryce, it's because I am uh lazy no um i don't i ran there's not enough hours in the day yes because logan didn't blame logan logan didn't do it yep okay that's easy yeah one word answer he didn't even he didn't even make an excuse i like that so uh let's see um bryce also asked what chain do you recommend for desert single track riding reno high desert um any chain a good one a new one what <laughs> we don't know yeah yeah i thought, yeah. <laughs> yeah, got it <laughs> um so uh chains uh you know I've had good luck with the majority of the chains, name brand chains that I've run, especially, you know, when you start talking about like the um, the DID, the RK. Uh, I used to run Subaki chains back in the day. I don't think they're really that popular, especially in the off road market um, any longer. Uh, I have also been running Regina chains uh, for the last five or six years on. A lot of my rental bikes and personal bikes and stuff, I managed to buy. They they changed their packaging from, and they started calling it something slightly different. Chain stayed kind of the same, but they changed their packaging. And they had a lot of the old, so I got a really good deal on some old ones. Have I've had really really good luck with with it. So. Um, I think there's and and I know there's a there's a been a big push in in the aftermarket for some of these brands like like Tusk and and Western Power Sports to have some of their own in-house brands and they are trying to make them of higher quality than some of the brands that used to be the really cheap inexpensive ones back in the day because they were like sometimes buying a stock chain on a 125 motocross bike you know they were just they were just junk it would wear out pretty quick uh and you could buy a cheap aftermarket one for half the price of the stock one, and it would wear out twice as quick. So a chain is one of those things you're going to get what you pay for, uh, for the most part. And if you're good at, you know, if you if you can if you know how to check a chain, um, there's um, some companies that make these these like rulers that are specifically sized for certain size chains that you can clip on them and measure to see how it's stretched out. It is. Um, There's ways that you can check because really the side to side um, play, you know, so when you take the chain and you know, it's usually pulling in a straight line, but you try to bend it out of that straight line and how far it goes. So if you notice that your chain is knocking the knobbies off the side of your tire, that's bad. Or if it's, you know, or if it's rubbing on your subframe, it's like starting to saw your subframe. That's, that's bad. But um, at, at the moment, if we had a chain sponsor, right now i would tell you that to buy that chain i mean just straight up and I, but i would say the exact same thing i just said um before or after i told you just to buy whatever brand x chain that they um help keep this show uh, afloat what kind of chain do you run logan not sure not sure does it work good yeah logan recommends the not sure chain he says it works fine on his uh on his uh ktm or yamahas next question
2: into the void he forgot in the credits to mention his scott's steering state steering dampener
1: oh he's talking about my tour of idaho video it didn't it didn't say scott's i guess didn't you watch that to do prep for the show you didn't watch tour of idaho video no no how am i gonna get to you <laughs> <laughs> um the scott steering stabilizer it's yeah i probably should have said something nice about it i usually say good things about him, don't i yeah every time i talk about him. uh-huh yeah yeah um yeah i probably should have put that there but um they didn't sponsor that video either so i won't talk about him. no it, i've never met i've never met uh a bike that didn't like a Scott steering stabilizer on. I can probably go on and on about why and how and all that stuff, but um, we'll save that for another one.
2: Um, Charlie tuna clutch weights. Do they offer real world benefits or are they just snake oil pros and cons? Thanks.
1: Um, so this is stemming from, I think I commented on somebody else's YouTube video and or they oh no i know what i did yeah i think we uh trevor and i talked about it on some sort of a project bike um the 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 other the youtuber put it on there and then somebody asked about it specifically and there wasn't an an answer so i posted the dirt bike test test of a blaze racing um like eight ounce clutch weight that we tested on a few different bikes And uh, no, it's not snake oil. Yes, they do something Um, to the point there was a time when, when to lighten bikes up and to give them different kinds of throttle response feel. Manufacturers were going with putting a lot of aluminum plates in the clutch, which would contaminate the oil pretty fast and they would wear quicker. And I remember in the early days, we would actually replace them as I was desert racing. We would replace them with steel plates to actually get a little bit more inertia spinning around. Uh, in the in the motor Uh, and it just it just gave it more torque so kind of like so imagine when you put a flywheel weight on it's it does something similar but since it's spinning a lot slower it's not as it's not as uh doesn't have as much effect especially on i noticed that the flywheel weights really hurt they can really hurt the pickup at real low rpm just as much as they help the stalling resistance at really low RPM where when you start adding weights to the clutch, it's, it's kind of more in in like, it starts coming in from like upper bottom end into the mid range. And then it has a little bit more of effect on like kind of, kind of top end without making the bike feel as heavy. That's my experience with it. And it's different bike to bike, whether it's a two stroke, you put it on or a four stroke, um, they seem to be more popular on the on the on the two strokes like the the ktms and huskies seem to be uh, popular back when they i don't know if they can do it with the diaphragm spring i haven't checked but pre-diaphragm spring is i think when we tested it yes uh,
3: the centrifugal force goes up square to the speed so it has less flywheel effect on the clutch which may be a benefit if it was on the
1: the Centrifugal force goes up, up x squared, squared, squared to the speed. To the so speed. Uh, yeah. Okay. That sounds like something that um, we would have to have a physicist in here to explain. No, but it, it really, I, it, I, 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 well, I don't. I'm not doubting your formulas. It, like sci- it's science. Physics. This is Bob with science. But
3: a, so on the clutch, it could have a, a better, a greater benefit, especially if you're trying to turn because there's less flywheel effect because it's
1: turning slower right and
3: it still gives you a benefit of more
1: it gives, yeah it's it's and it's different like i said it's different every bike depending on how fast your clutch is spinning and there's other things like um Hinson used to make steel clutch baskets so a lot of people thought that they were they were for less wear because ktms come with a steel clutch basket um, and most japanese bikes come with an aluminum clutch basket that's that's riveted onto a onto a big steel gear. And so sometimes they make that gear really light on some bikes, they make them heavier, but Hinson had a complete, you know, steel clutch basket. That was, we, I really liked it on Honda 450 X's. It was a, it was a really good, really good modification. In fact, I remember doing some stuff with a company called, um, Adige, who I'm hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. They were making a lot of the KTM clutch components back in the day. And they had a really good clutch for the Honda. And, um, and I think you know if there's something that was that was sort of weak on the Honda shoot, I should try that on the new on the new 450X. To come to think of it, if I can get those, if they make those those parts anymore, because it made it really good. But they were surprised when they saw that I had this steel clutch basket, and they're like, why do you have that? And I'm like, oh, it gives it a little bit better, you know, better feel, throttle response, a little bit more, just a better transition in the mid range, and you know, kind of smooth the bike out and. And they were like, yeah, interesting, <laughs> you know. You know, I don't, I don't know if they'd, uh, they, I mean, because they, they knew that that's what KTM's had in there, and they're like, oh, people are putting these in Honda. <laughs> so yeah, any place you put weight in different places, crank or flywheel or you know, in your tires. We were talking about tire weights of tires the other day and weights of mooses and how what different riders at different levels feel. Um, it's kind of interesting, but yeah, weight is a uh, interesting. Interesting phenomenon. Uh, Mike Deering says, I just picked up a 2021 KTM EXCF partially because of your review of the 20. Great bike, by the way. It is exactly what I was hoping it would be and perfect for this 52-year-old Pacific Northwest dirt bike riding lifer. Well, thanks, Mike. Partially. I would like to, I, I, next time I want full credit... Please, I mean, thanks for the partial credit, but uh, we'll do the uh, half credit next time. Um, what's my next question over there, Logan?
2: Um, less death. Less death. Less death.
1: I like less death.
2: Um, chin mounts. Chin mount with image stabilizer is easier. The best location.
1: That's less less death sixty nine, right? Yeah, yeah. Got to get the full name in there. I mean, like, I mean, it could be less death fifty two, and and then like that guy doesn't get his credit. So, so he. I we're talking about um, uh, our GoPro best placed yeah. amount of GoPro last week and chin mount with image stabilization. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Um, yeah, because, I mean, it's essentially I, – I just don't like things in front of my – like in my field of view and putting something there tends to bother me. But, um, yeah, I, I'm a chest mount guy. <laughs> so you can look at the bike. <laughs> uh, I'm all about the bike. Uh, Okay. What does Jeff want to know? Jeff? Merlit. Merlit.
2: Love your shows slash podcasts.
1: See? It's a show and a podcast. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get them up there. I have to.
2: But would be great if you could also continue to publish them on Apple iTunes. Oh. <laughs> Your last podge- podcast published on iTunes slash podcasts is the YZ450F test from August 7th.
1: Yeah, so we we got we got that account reestablished, um, so they will they will start going up. But the thing is, we haven't a lot of the episodes, like literally from fifty forward, and from thir- maybe it's thirty forward. I don't know. It's there's a long list of work for you, Logan. Long, long list. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Jesse Whitehead, Huesenberg five seventy verse seven oh one enduro.
1: No question. It's not like why would you even ask that question? Like, come on. I, actually, he just picked. He picked like like one of my favorites and one of my least favorites. Like, come on, Jesse. You know. You know. You're baiting the hook. This guy's. This guy's trolling me. So.
2: I share your love of the seventy degree bikes, but need more fuel range. I have a safari tank, front tank, and severely reduced lock to lock tuning radius and the seventy degree subframe tanks are unattainable unattainable. So I'm considering a Husky seven oh one long range as a replacement. Will it will I be disappointed with the added weight?
1: Uh it, they're two completely different bikes and, and the weight feel, yes you'll be um probably severely disappointed is that if there's one thing that that husenberg 570 does while you're riding it is masks its weight so if you like that thing and i under i've seen those safari tanks and i know exactly what you're talking about um uh, i have a ktm 500 for that <laughs> when i when i need to go that long range when i and and we and and it's hard to find tanks for the current ones like the 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 after the 16 so the 17 i don't think once you go to seven 2017 you can't get that six and a half gallon tank anymore and i guess there's just not enough of a demand for companies like a turbies or ims to make the big big capacity tanks that that um that we use for some of our some of our riding stuff uh, safari seems to be the only company that's making that kind of that kind of stuff but so I I use my Husaberg. I never use my Husaberg as like a long range dual sport bike. So in that market, that new Husky. So it's called the it's called the seven hundred one long range, and it has a big. They finally put a big gas tank on it, which is what that bike really needed. And I actually reached out to Husky to see about getting one to test because um, maybe that could uh, change my mind a little bit because I love the motor. And I know they've improved the the suspension and the chassis and stuff and that. So it'd be interesting to see how that uh, plays out because one of my biggest gripes with that bike is the 701 and the KTM 690 was like, what is this bike for? What is it good for? Because it's kind of like it's supposed to be this one do all thing and it doesn't really have big enough. It gets great fuel economy, but it just doesn't have enough fuel range to go that uh, fuel capacity to go that far, you know, and so they're, they're addressing it with, with that particular model. So it's they're two completely different animals, uh, and you're definitely going to go up in weight and, you know, weight, feel, and the bike is just not going to be s- as good at, you know, if you're not looking at single track, you're probably going to be fine. Uh, once you start going into single track, you're going to wish that it was a Husaberg. And then you just you just know, I don't care how many numbers they put on the side, it's not going to have as much power. Did You know how much power a Husaberg 570 makes compared to, like, most other... Bikes, Logan. A lot. Right. Right. <laughs>
2: um, C L I, Bean. Okay. Anyone want to be my boyfriend?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what? What? What else? Did, what else is on there? There's like some emojis and stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. There's like like a heart and some lips.
2: Heart eyes lips. Heart present, happy cat, shining heart.
1: Wow, little black. He heart. He knows what they're all called. So you're an expert heart. at this. I didn't know what any of that stuff meant. So last week when we put our uh, tech talk taco Tuesday up, my phone at about two o'clock in the morning went, Bing, ding, ding, ding. It was like it was, We were getting like lots of uh, lots of action. Yeah, lots of action on the on the YouTubes. Yeah, what's the next question?
2: Uh, Alisa. Grace Powell.
1: I'm sure that's her name, but yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Do you love me?
1: <laughs> what? What else?
2: Um, heart eyes, kissing, heart <laughs> present
1: see Shining that heart. you know what that means logan it means we've entered a whole new level on the youtubes like you're not allowed to even know about this level on the youtube <laughs> don't click on anything you see on those ones i haven't reported this spam because i haven't had a chance to get back to her yet <laughs> so uh yeah careful careful what you uh, wish for cody joseph says do you run two rim locks when your moose gets really soft uh no cody i put a new moose in <laughs> um And in fact, I run pretty much with mooses almost all the time. I only run one because I'm not really like racing. If I were racing, I think I might run two if I would like desert racing, high speed stuff. Um, And I know a lot of the extreme enduro guys don't run any rim locks. And then I've heard of some, even some of the the rally guys not running any rim locks. I should I should have looked at the bikes we were riding with today, uh, to see if they have rim locks. But usually they stuff a really big moose into a really small tire and make it all stick that way. Um, there was times when they used to have pins on the rims, so the rims used to have pins, but uh, those also you cut the tire and and they don't they don't do that anymore. Uh, you could run the second rim lock uh, to help. Uh, but it's still going to put a lot of strain on the, uh, on the bead of the tire on the wire beads because that's where it's pinching. And you think about that's you're locking that to the rim. And then the, the rest of the tire is sort of trying to twist itself off. So those, those wires right at that point are getting kind of flexed. And you know, if you want to break a wire, you can just bend it and bend it and bend it and bend it and eventually pop. Uh, so that, and speaking of that, Mike Shirley, you know, the monkey butt guy, yeah, he, uh, he, he, Uh, his tire, his moose popped off of his rim while we were out training. That's, he had to kind of cut that short, but um, it was really strange because new moose and it was the right, all the sizing was right. And, uh, and it, it popped off. And, and so I'd asked him, I said, Hey, was there any chance like when you were mounting it that you, you know, popped the bead or broke the bead and he, he wasn't really a hundred percent sure. So um, it's something to always be aware of. If you're really struggling with your moose and you hear something, when you're stretching that thing over and it goes pop, that tire is now I, I'll use them for extreme enduro's like, like slow speed riding where I know it's not going to pop off. Uh, Cause it, it takes the speed usually to do it and the moose expanding. But here's another Jimmy trick. Cause I'm like, I hate to see a tire that looks like it has good knobs just like go to waste. So I will take that tire. This is, don't do this at home. Don't ever, don't even do this. Cause I'm, but I did it maybe more than once. Um, Cause I know a lot of people that break the beads and their, the tires are useless for them, but for Jimmy, it's good. So I put that broken part of the bead underneath the rim lock and clamp it down. And so, so clamps it down. So it no longer flexes on that point. It, it It's lock, it's locking it underneath. And then I mark that wheel as a trail riding wheel, like slow speed trail riding, like extreme enduro wheel. I'll put a, so I'll put a, if I put a moose in there, a soft moose, or I just know it's a thing. So don't, don't let your kids do that. Don't don't have anybody ever do that. Just buy a new tire. Uh, so, uh, Cody, hopefully that helps. But um, no. It, so when a moose gets really soft, I take it out and put a new one in, and then I take that moose and I put it into a trail riding. I have I've have, I have like kind of desert, you know, high speed uh, rally slash dual sport moose, and then I have. Trail riding ones. Yes.
2: Um, Ron Hartle. How do you I watch live and comment live? I'm always I always get the Tuesday timing like five days late.
1: Uh so you you would be watching it on Facebook right now and you'd have a better connect internet connection than I do right now, and you would type in your question. And then Logan would tell me, Jimmy, there's a question or I would see it and then I would I would answer it. So I think that's how you do it. Or just like you did there, you ask when you see this video, when you're watching it five days from now and it's old news, fake news, too, um, then you then you type in the question and we generally pull it and then I make make Logan read it. So that's uh, that's how you um, do that. Uh, Chris Real chimes in. Chris Real. Chris, real? What do you, what do Bob? Do you have to drink every time I say his name wrong? Is that what you do when you go home? You have to like, you know, have a. Yeah, (laughs) the clutch weighting is more effective when the weight is further out from the rotational center point. Same thing on the flywheel, but it is harder to do. So that's why those steel clutch baskets uh, work uh, pretty good too. And Danny Turner says so you can feel much of a difference between light and heavy tubes in front tires and oh yeah yes again uh rotational weight um farther out from the center uh and you know we were talking about two different moose brands that there's a there's a weight of one pound difference and there's there's a lot of different we're talking about all these different kinds of things about how the different mooses feel and how they act and how they act after they break in the one thing that everybody agreed on, because we disagreed on everything else we were talking about, but the one thing that everybody agreed on is we could all feel the heavier moose. And it's really good when everything's going good. Heavier is not better. But when something starts going wrong, weight all of a sudden becomes a big problem. So lighter is better because stuff's always going to go wrong. Um, we have another question there, Logan?
2: In here? Yeah. Um. Hey, Jimmy. Thanks for the Kinda Parker Desert DT tire suggestion you gave in one of the Tech Talk Talkin' Tuesday episodes. I've burned up four of them. I am about to order another two. They work well in the conditions I ride since they are predictable, give good traction, under hard and have a relative, relatively long life.
1: Okay, so that's the first part.
2: Candace should sponsor Tech Talk Taco Tuesday.
1: Oh, I think everybody should sponsor it. So <laughs> yeah, Cand- Candace should. They 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 help me out with my school. They sponsor my school. They should sponsor this podcast though, right? I should I should call them and yeah. talk to them about that. I'm going to. Okay, I'll put that on my list of things to do. Right after you up, upload all the episodes of uh, the episodes to, to the to pot, make it into a podcast. <laughs>
2: um, question: I've been running the Shinko Two Sixteen MX Fatty on the front with a heavy duty tube at fourteen psi.
1: Okay, so that's 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 horrible because heavy duty tube equals more weight. It's on the front wheel. Nobody likes it. Just kidding (laughs) Going back on the other question Uh, Yeah okay got it keep going
2: I like the characteristics of the tire Traction Predictability bump compliance And it tends to float in the sand However the side knobs Keep tearing After a low number of miles Do you have any recommendations I ride mainly in Utah On jeep roads ATV trails and trails that Are so faint they can only be seen from a satellite. My bike is a thirteen KTM 450 XCW, and I am ancient compared to Logan.
1: Okay, so that means he's uh, probably twenty-two, right? (laughs) No, Um, man. That that was so. That was a good question. Uh, first he complimented me that that's always a good thing. And then he said, we should get sponsors. That's, that's nice. And and he's listening to me for advice. So he's going to take that to the bank. Uh, and then he asks a good question where he talks about what he uses, what I think, what will be the, what will be the next thing. So you're reaching out to the internet for good advice. And, um, I'm just another bald guy trying to help you out. But, uh, but he, he, he talked about what he's using it on, what he's doing and it, it gives me a good basis to answer this question i've i think i've used that 216 i don't know if i've used the cinco one um i i can't it it, it might have been a while back when i was testing their gummy they had some gummy rear tires uh i think it's the uh, brain cells are firing up right now um and I didn't think it was because I think that's sort of a copy of the golden tire, if I'm not mistaken. It's very, very similar. So the difference is, and this is with a lot of the, a lot of the the smaller um, or the the less expensive tires is a lot of times they have one carcass, one shell, and they just put whatever pattern of nobbies on top of it with whatever rubber they deem possible. So. And I, when, when golden came on, I didn't realize, I thought it was just another, cause it was kind of a funny, it was kind of an interesting name when I first heard it. And then I ran some of their tires. I'm like, wow, these are good. And they were, you know, getting a lot of the extreme and drill guys to run them, not because they were paying them or giving them free tires. Cause they were good sticky tires. And that's the first time I ran. I, they sent me some for an adventure bike that they had. It was a fatty tire for the adventure. And I was blown away by how good they, how good they worked. And then I've tried all of their regular tires and they're all pretty well performing. But the cincos I remember the sticky rears. And this is a long story, but I remember the sticky rears. One was really good and one wasn't. And they were two different sizes. And it was the bigger one was good and the smaller one wasn't. And the smaller one, the carcass they put it on was ridiculously stiff. And then they put this really soft rubber on it. And the tire, it just squirmed all over the place. And although if you stuck it on a rock, it kind of had the same... Like if you actually did like a burnout on a rock or you're on some, some really slick stuff, it would kind of have the same traction. But if you actually hit the rock and try expected to stick, it would bounce and then it would squirm where the bigger tire, which was on a different carcass that was different would actually stick and perform pretty good. And I think I'm pretty sure there's a test on dirt bike tests that about those tires, they're gummy or sticky or whatever they call them. And I think I ran that front tire at the time and I, Kind of know what you're talking about. But to me, if I remember correctly, the carcass wasn't a match. It was like the carcass was wrong. It was like they took a a big carcass that might have been built for something a little bit heavier and then put knobs on it. And maybe that's why they're, you know, peeling off to the side. But I think what you're liking about that tire is the float that I quote fatty tire gives in the sand especially and i know um like that red sand that you have out in utah and stuff that stuff can be ridiculously soft in a tire so uh i i don't know the, the durability on whatever tire whatever that golden tire was which is a fatty tire was excellent and and i think they made a new one that that's really popular with a lot of the guys that i ride with that golden actually came out and gave tires to a lot of my helpers when i was promoting king of the motos and they they had those tires and everybody that that got one all my workers that got one came back and said man this is the best tire like and they're riding KTM 500s and Sierra 450Xs and stuff. And they said, this is the best front tire. And they're all guys that kind of like like the fatty tire. For sure, it was a little bit heavier feeling and stuff. But the float they got in the washes. So um, uh, that's a that's a good tire that I can recommend. Uh, I know Michelin makes some 9100s, but they're not really that much bigger. Um, Bridgestone used to make some. I think they still do. The wider, wider tires. I... Don't run them all that often. I run mostly I run the Kendas. I run the Kenda Parker DTs, and that's a really narrow front tire. And uh, if you like that float of the the fatty tire, you probably wouldn't like um, the Parker DT, although I think Kenda does also make some wider uh, 9100 tires also. So, But the cool thing about tires is – <laughs> you're changing them all the time yeah, uh, yeah they're not on forever it's not going to permanently wreck it and if you if you put it on in your very first ride you don't like it take it off and you can sell it for half of what you paid for it and you can get another one you know or you can make a make a buddy you know find out you find a buddy that you don't like that much and give them the junky tire and they'll come back and tell you dude that's the best tire I ever had and then all of a sudden you're like oh really <laughs> <laughs> so hey tires are a personal preference just like a lot of uh a lot of stuff uh do we have more?
2: Um, hi, dirt bike test editorial team.
1: That's talking to you. Yes. What's 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 her name?
2: This is Mary again.
1: Again, yeah.
2: Oh, this Mary.
1: <laughs> she on is she is She following you on Instagram?
2: No. This, no. She talked to you in like episode thirty-five.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. What's going on?
2: Uh, we have some clients looking to secure do-follow sponsorship posts and paid guide post placements on dirtbiketest.com. If this is something you allow, could you please provide us the rate for the following for a regular matcha post with links back to client site?
1: Right. Okay. So you're in charge of this department, right, at Dirt Bike Test? That's, that's your, your, your charges department handle, sure. handling Marie. It's called sure. the handling Marie department. So, so she's asked the question, so you're going to answer it. So, so do you, do, do I mean, I'm going to ask you the question. Um, secure do follow sponsored posts and paid guest posts. Do we allow them on dirt bike test? Don't think so. You don't think so? Should we? Could you? I don't know. Let's open the door. Say that, Yes yes okay uh, if this is something you allow which you now do um, <laughs> could you provide the rates for the following for a regular niche niche post with links back to client sites she wants to know what is the price with the article provided by client for publishing so that means I, I, I work for this like let's just say I, I run this off-road school called Jimmy Lewis offroad, uh, dot com, right and I say hey uh, hey, Logan I've got. I'm going to write an article on on uh, you know how to pop wheelies, and I want you to put it on your site. Uh, what's it going to cost? And I'm going to load that thing up so like you click on links and like there's going to be a link to Kenda tires and a link to Shari batteries and a link, of course, like be like five links to my site. Uh, what's that going to cost me? Yeah, how much? I don't know. Well, you're in charge of this department. We better figure it out. <laughs> I mean, this is how you make money, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's what I want. What? How much How much is going to cost me? Like, I'll, I'll send it to you. You just put it up. There. I'll, I'll even throw some cool... I'll make sure the photos are really cool, too. Yeah. <laughs> what does it cost me? This is economics. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll ask you question number two. What's the price for an article written and published by you and your team? So, like, what are you going to charge me to write about... about my stuff 2 mil <laughs> 2 million? Okay, that's good. I'm liking that number. Price for an existing post link. So in other words, they want to they want to have us load some links on the back sides of uh, some of our some of our tabs. Te- this is the kind of stuff we get all the time, by the way. And people go, "Well, how can we say it doesn't make any money? It's because we're not taking any of this crap. <laughs> Except Logan's charges this department and everything may change because he needs he needs to get some money for college so he can learn how to price this stuff out and come back and say, hey, Jimmy, we just made two mil this month. And I'm like, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> I just sit around and talk about dirt bikes and dirt bike-related products, and this is where we're at. So um, uh, last part. Uh, pri- uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Here's where you make the millions, Logan. Listen to this one. He said a price aside from a niche or reg- relevant regular post. please. Do you let us know if you accept iGaming, gaming, betting lottery li- related links as well? And if yes, is the same price. So who do you think Marie Moose works for? <laughs> An offshore betting company. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Hey, um, if uh, if we ever put up uh links on the on the on the youtube videos click through those things we also on our tests uh on dirt bike test um actually the product tests and stuff a lot of times down at the bottom there's a link to amazon and i, I hardly ever talk about this stuff because it would actually make me money if i did but if you if you need to buy something on amazon go to dirt bike test and or if you're just reading about whatever you're reading about there about the clutch weight and you go that sounds pretty cool i'd like to buy it generally down at the bottom you can Click on, you know, there's a link, a click through link on Amazon and we get a small slice of that. I think a lot of people are doing that. But if you, uh, you know, when you're going to buy your next, uh, you know, big screen TV or set of car tires off at Amazon, maybe, uh, you know, an iPad or something. um, Yeah. Just click through the link on dirt bike test and we'll get a small chunk of that and we can we can afford to be here next week because these lights aren't free or we're going to have to go to the betting sites. (laughs) Yeah, you're in charge of that, Logan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna afford. I need your email address so I can forward it to Marie, and I'll let you negotiate with her, and just copy me and all this stuff because I want to laugh at it. (laughs) Um. Uh, so cody who asked about the moose said thanks i should probably replace the moose but i love the soft feel for woods riding my bead is partially seated a couple times when riding this weekend though so i thought a second rim lock might help okay so that's a very good way to tell that your moose is actually getting way too soft is and he's not talking about the bead like popping off the tire like mike's did like mike's bead popped off and you can look in and see the moose He's talking about his bead popping inside the tire, like down in the dish, because the moose is at. What they do is they is as they wear, if they're not if they're not getting totally torn up, the moose actually shrinks, and so it allows, even though there's like still some pressure to it, it allows the 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 bead of the tire to become unseated, and then and at that point, bad things happen. Um, what you'll also find with the rim locks, and I should have mentioned this earlier, is when you put a rim lock in there, it also causes. Uh, it, it it it's hard on the moose right where the rim lock is more so at high speed riding so it, if you're just doing woods riding you can probably get away with um, you know adding a second rim lock and getting a little bit more life out of it but it, you'd almost have to pick the spot where the rim lock gl- goes to match it up with where the moose is because they they wear in different spots and stuff but uh yeah time for maybe time for a, a new one but uh, a couple other things with mooses we can talk about uh nitro moose actually now sells and makes things called wedges and it's just a it's a section of moose and you basically take your moose and you you should do it before it starts getting too soft because it'll help but you cut out a section of moose and stuff this in there and it actually fills up the tire again um i haven't i haven't played i haven't played with these yet uh the 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 I, i was i was wondering if you put it in there if if it'll feel like a like a a hard section going around you know like like there's one one section yeah. that has more pressure than the rest but i imagine it would kind of work its way out um and then uh but i've done that with old moose as i've cut them i've seen people that have uh sliced inner tubes open wrapped inner tubes around their older moose added some life to it uh that way i i know some people that um that do that just always that's their technique for having you know Uh, tightening up the moose inside of a tire even even new ones when they're running big tires and they can't get the right size mooses so um yeah so uh, mark daniels actually uh, replied to cody and said yeah break it down add a small piece of bib to take up some of the loose space um franken moose is what uh, chris real called it which means it's dangerous he probably liked that little he probably wasn't listening very well when i talked about you know (laughs) <laughs> how I run broken bead tires <laughs> as he probably would. Have. You should, Chris, you should have advised against that. You should say, don't listen to Jimmy at this point. Uh, do you have any other questions, Logan for me? No. No. Do we have any other questions that have come up in the room that I've managed to miss?
2: Not that I, uh,
1: Todd Kelly says the Kenda Washougal. And I think he's talking about the wide, the, the wide tire.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So that might be a tire for our friend, uh, Travis Redfield, who, uh, I think watches us on the on the YouTubes. So yeah, I think we're gonna call it a call it a short show. We're not gonna go that extra half an hour. It makes it load like four minutes quicker when you put it up on the YouTubes. Yeah. <laughs> so and uh, don't stay up until two o'clock to wait for those comments to come in because it's bad for you. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to report. What's what's her what's her name again? Mary? Maria. Mary. No. Yeah, Is, Isla and. Uh, and Thayala. When you get those weird names, you know it's bad, especially when at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so, uh, okay, hey, thanks for uh, supporting the show. Um, thanks for uh, supporting our sponsors. Uh, I- I'm gonna, since I made a joke with you, I'm gonna read it. Powered by a distinct ready to race mentality, KTM is the world's leading high performance street and off road sport motorcycle manufacturer with North American headquarters based in Murrieta, California. Over the years, KTM has built a reputation as a fierce competitor on racetracks around the world, and the brand's remarkable global success is reflected in every product it develops and every move it makes. Also, thanks to Climb, thanks to Recluse, thanks to Takomoto, thanks to DDC. Uh, um, They're all kind of helping us out in some way, shape, or form. There's a lot of cool stuff going on at Dirt Bike Test, and uh, now I'm gonna now that I'm done rally training with uh, some of the best guys in the world, I'm gonna go try to put my head into back into this uh, product testing stuff. Right, Logan? Yep. Okay. You know what your homework assignment is? Your homework assignment is to take that message, that KTM message, and rewrite it, like so okay. it's different. So, because everybody's sick of hearing that. Okay. Right? They say it takes up like 20 seconds of their life that they're never gonna get back. Like it's advertising, man. That's mm-hmm. what it is. So your job, your job next week, you're coming in with one that's better, and you get to read it, and then I'm gonna ask them if it's okay after you read it, of course. Okay. And then when they, when we get canned from KTM, then then we'll just uh, <laughs> we'll we'll go we'll go we'll go down to the, we'll go down to the next road. But uh, anyways, yeah. Hey, thanks for uh, everybody for helping us out, and I think with that, we're gonna say cheers, and we'll see you out on the trail. Mm-hmm.